who up playing with a worm. It's it's America's most chosen podcast pod people. I'm the suck baby, Matisse Van Rossum. I'm Ben Sheets, but you can call me Pepe Sylvia, because it's all connected. Hi, I'm Cleveland Mosier, and would you like to hear how I got these scars? Yeah, we're waiting. Uh, I climbed up Totoro Rock. Well, we're we're back for another Patreon pick episode. The first Patreon pick from our newest Patreon Remember. supporter. Yeah, our, our newest honorary pod boy, Mitchell. This one's for you, Mitchell. Cracking, yeah, crack open one. Get ham. Get oh, right into the mic. Yeah, get a good slurp. Yeah. <laughs> this one's an this one's an honor of Mitchell. Um, I'm, I'm about five feet away from you, and that was a wretched noise. You did that right into the mic. That's got to be. I'm gonna have to listen to it again tomorrow. Oh, we everyone and I'll will, de- and I'll decide what to do with it then. <laughs> but for now. The slurp ritual. <laughs> yes, for now we're completing the slurp ritual. That's right. <laughs> the slurp ceremony. Uh, yeah, Mitchell picked this film for us. Uh, and Mitchell picked the 2009 J-horror found footage film Occult by Koji Shiraishi. Uh, this is far from our first excursion into the mind of Koji Shiraishi. For once... I get to be the most veteran person on the podcast because I've seen all three of the movies that are tethered to this you have now, yeah. world. Yeah, Shiraishi did Naroi the Curse, mm-hmm. which we covered a couple of years ago. Golden Pod, um, one of my favorite uh, found footage horror movies of all time. Easy agree. Um, uh, so yeah, he followed up with a cult uh, about two years later. Uh, after Neroy in 2009. Those films, along with 2011's Cult, uh, which you have also seen now, which Cleveland. I have. Yeah. Um, For a long time, I thought was this movie, because one is named Cult and one is named A Cult. A cult. Yeah. Terrible naming scheme. Yeah, I'm just going to put it out there. It's, it's really rough to yeah. keep track. I, I just watched one of them, and I already know I'm going to get them mixed up. Throughout the course of this podcast. But, but yes, we're we're talking about occult, but <laughs> apologies in advance. Neroy, occult, and cult. cult are not necessarily like literally connected, but very much thematically connected. Uh, with, exist the within the world. same universe. They all have to do with uncovering strange, eclectic, uh, occult, even. undiscovered rules and concepts of the paranormal um and cosmic j-horror yes is the way I would yeah no it. absolutely yeah and that goes for all three worm sure. time worm time worm time <laughs> yeah yo i gotta say of the three i think this one had the least worm in it there's a lot more uh yeah a lot of worm there's a lot more intimated uh worm but not as much explicit worm in this one um <laughs> explicit worm explicit worm yeah um <laughs> it's your boy explicit worm so these worms these worms are implicit um oh dear in the pants things oh. you could say what are we doing here <laughs> what's go- what's going on um i i know what's going on i'm still trying to unpack this movie a little bit um it's not quite what i was expecting no me neither i liked it 
I don't think I like it as much as Noroi. No, it's a um, little messier than Noroi. It's it's less focused. Yeah, and uh, of the three, I think coming out the gate, it's my least favorite. Okay, of the ones I've seen, uh, this one I think is the most understated and singularly focused, but not necessarily to its benefit. Noroi is so is just chock full of unique and interesting characters that thread throughout the story. While this story has that. Much less so. There's really, like, one particular interesting character and then yeah. several tertiaries who are pretty standard. Um, Cult has some of the weirdest characters of of the bunch. Without spoiling too much, there's one character who's, like, an anime ghost hunter who, like, has, like, a black trench coat and shit and, like, fucking scene hair. And he's This awesome. movie could have used one of those. Yeah, like, and I, oh, was, I do, was looking for it. They, do go, they do go talk to a, a manga artist at one point. Yeah. Who does some uh, auto writing slash drawing, which is cool, but just, I just kind of do it like in a restaurant. Yeah, and it, it's she puts her head, she slumps, puts her head down, she does a scribble, and and that's all we see of that character. They're not like eaten alive by ghost parasites or anything. Yeah, there's nothing like there's no follow through with with her. And I I kind of think she could have been the most interesting character in the movie if she you know had more screen time. But I do like. The premise, though, and I do, I do like that our, 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 the, the focus of the film is on this, this, this kind of incel character. Yeah, I like how he's the focus of the film, and I like how his character develops over the course yeah. of the film. I think that's the most compelling aspect of the movie. Um, like you said, it's much more understated than Neroy, um, even though it's a little bit more like singularly focused i i did find myself kind of wishing for a little bit more horror you'd like sure horror. um cult is full of it and i look forward to seeing cult and i i've seen i've seen like the the series that the web series that he did uh after cult which i can mention a little bit later and there's a lot of through line with that stuff too um but yeah, this one is, uh, I don't know, there's there's not a whole lot, like, spooky happening for, like, most of the movie. I think it's pretty pretty tense, like, halfway through. But before that, you know, they're, they're paying this guy to sort of, like, you know, carry the camera around and record the quote-unquote miracles that he sees. And a lot of times it's just like plastic bag blowing in the wind mm. or look at that little dark the little dark smudge that sort of flies well, across yeah, the screen well, we for should, a second we should kind of give a more broad strokes explanation of what's going on yeah here because like i feel like this movie is definitely a slow burn and sort of mysterious in mm. the way it's presented um in a way that i kind of like actually yeah i think you know watching it i was left wanting more much like you but, like, when I think back on, like, the broad strokes of the plot, I can understand why it was put together like it was. Yeah, sure. So the a documentary crew starts making a documentary about this mysterious stabbing that occurred on a bridge in a sort of national park. At, like, a tourist destination. Yeah. yeah. And really gorgeous bridge, too. I love I love how it's over sort of, a, like, a basalt can't. Uh, canyon yeah it's on like some some cliffs at at sea yeah Yeah. it's it's a uh it's a tourist attraction kind of and yeah there's a there's a stabbing 
um, in which two women are killed and a couple more people are injured and the killer then went to the cliffs and jumped off into the ocean and they never found his body. It was never seen again. One of the people that was injured when he was being stabbed, he had a sort of marking, like a sort of rune looking thing yeah engraved in his back rather than killing him the guy carved a symbol into the skin of his back and said something like it's your turn now Now it's your turn. now it's your turn Yeah. yeah and so this guy eno is the character um brian eno coon um <laughs> yeah he's he, he's sort of like a homeless sort of guy who like scrapes by you know takes odd jobs when you know as a substitute so so like if someone calls in sick he's the replacement guy they call yeah he works for like a temp agency where like they'll call some days he has work some days he might not most days he doesn't most days he doesn't you know he has he sleeps in um these like manga cafes which are like internet cafes where you can like rent out a room um, to play League of Legends uh, for all night for like twenty bucks, um, and yeah, he becomes sort of. I like I like how the film starts. Like they're interviewing like all these different people who were witness to the stabbing, or you know who were there. Like they interview like the mother of one of the girls who was killed, and like the boyfriend of one of the others who was killed, and so it's like. At this point, and they're interviewing this guy at the same time since he's a survivor of the attack, and you don't really know, like, where the focus is going to go, and then it starts to sort of, like, zero in on on this guy, and he becomes, like, the central focus of the film. Which is fairly I like the way that kind of like develops. A, to a documentary, also, mm-hmm. and, and does a great job of reinforcing the realism here, that these are just documentarians just trying to unravel a thread and figure out the story. And we slowly realize that he is at the center yeah. of it, as opposed to just him being at the center of it. Well, the one of the things that we sort of endlessly praised Naroy for in that episode is its authenticity. And I think that, for the most part, that's something that Koji Shiraishi does really well, mm-hmm. is authenticity. I think he captures that really well in this movie as, as well, you know, in, in that it feels real like it feels like a real documentary um to to the extent of being pretty mundane for a lot of it you yeah, know even, even when there are certain scary things that occur like the miracles that are happening around him like the little ufos and stuff like they're not scary they're actually kind of similar to actual quote ufo footage yeah you see like it's just a dot that's passing over the screen it could have been a bug yeah, have been a bird. Yeah. You don't really know. It's an unidentified thing, and we just it just kind of zips by. And uh, I think there's there's something really cool about that to some capacity. Like like from a bird's eye view, it's it's really neat because it's 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 authentic. It's it it matches and mirrors like the kind of stuff that people quote actually capture as opposed to something. Um, yeah, it's more blockbustery, more. It's you know. a lot like one of those, like you know, Discovery Channel ass shows, like Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventures. Yeah. I mean, at least with Ghost Adventures, you have somebody like Zach Bagans, uh, you mm-hmm. sort of a larger than life personality. But some of those other ghost hunting shows where they just like do scary music, and then it's like, oh, oh what was that? And it's like 
a dust moat that like flew across the the lens. It's like, oh my god! It's like we got this this EVP recording of a voice saying, "I'm gonna kill you," and then they play it, and it's like. <laughs> you know it's like oh my god and a lot of this movie does sort of have that same kind of thing where they're like that was a ufo it's like that looks like a bug dog it's like a little black dot that yeah. flew by the camera well, like that was and i think and they have like the super intense like creepy music i think that's intentional right uh, like, yeah I, oh, sure. it's it's clear that you know at first in the early ufo quote-unquote sightings they they are supposed to be like, oh, that could have easily been a bird or a plastic bag or something like that. I think the thing that's so compelling about it is, as the film goes on, you know, our main director, who plays himself... Yes. Um, yeah, it's, he, it's uh, Koji Shiraishi yeah. playing an exaggerated version um, of himself, yeah. He gets more and more involved in the story. And in doing so, he uncovers more and more of the kind of unspeakable truth of like the the cosmic sort of horror mm-hmm. and in doing so he inadvertently starts seeing more and more of the reality of the situation yeah and and finds himself like completely wrapped up in it to the point of being complicit yeah yeah and i think that's a an interesting commentary on like pulling documentary subjects out of tragedy because, sure. you know, as build a documentary on tragedy, you become more and more involved to the point where, you know, you almost become complicit. So it's an interesting commentary on that, I feel sure. like. Because all too often with, you know, true crime documentaries, for example, they clearly take a side and they, yeah. you know, latch to it to the point where they're... And they become, like, so involved in it that, like, they're trying to, like, they're taking an active role in it rather than, like, the passive role as as just exactly what happens. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if you're looking for a work of his that is untethered from reality and goes fucking batshit bananas, cult. (laughs) Like, if if you're looking for that, that's the one where he kind of stops caring about whether it can be taken as true or believable or not and just goes wild. I I mean, what do you think about the tethered to reality part of this movie? um, The tethered to reality part, I think is probably the best part. The the stuff towards the end where it starts to get more untethered and we see more of like what the UFO stuff is in the sky and other things. I think it's, it's wackier and wilder in Cult, uh, and more fun, and then in Neroy, it's way more scary, um, mm. when he does it. Uh, but, what I will say, across all of his films, he is the master of organically setting up twists. Yeah. Like, my man is so good at just naturally letting you think that things are happening in the documentary that feel like they don't have any weight, that still stick in your mind, and then have a big payoff. He is so good at that. He's good at it across all of those films. 100%. And I, I love it. I, uh, it's, it's a really wonderful lesson in, in film writing. I he's think. a, and he's a great, storytelling. he's a great mystery writer. Yes. Yes, like, he is. Is he's so good at constructing a compelling 
and genuinely engaging mystery. Yeah, it's inspiring, frankly. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's super compelling, and it, yeah, it gets me excited and inspired to see works like this, um, especially on like such a low budget. Yeah, like, shoestring budget. God, you can. You, and again, like I've just I've seen like just an endless parade of shitty found footage movies at this point, and just it's such a a pleasant reminder that you can do so much with so little. Yeah, I I have no idea what the actual budget for this movie was, but I would have a hard time imagining that it was more than like fifty thousand yeah. dollars. Like if like it's it it really is just like very efficient filmmaking. And for the most part, I think it's to its benefit. I don't think it is when it comes to the special effects. Yeah, in Neroy, Neroy is I think the only one of the three where they they. They don't just land; they they excel. In this movie and in Cult, I I don't think that they're effective. In a, to me, that I don't yeah. find them scary. It just I feel like you can see the strings a little bit too much. Like often the the effects don't track with the camera fully, and uh, or the, the the color correction is doesn't match what we're seeing like in the actual scene. And it, there's just a, a few things that. You know, like trying to take take me away from it a little bit, but yeah, I I have some thoughts on that um, in regards to this movie specifically that I, I don't want to talk about just yet because sure. that's more for like the end. Overall, I agree though. Like no, the the digital effects are like pretty cheap, and Neroy uses them like much more sparingly and hides them way better. Yeah, um, but and the bit with the babies at the shrines. It does look really good in Neroy. Well, it does, but because it's dark and high contrast (laughs) night vision and the camera is shaking a lot. And that's what I mean about, like, they hide it really well. Is that, like, all of that stuff makes the strings less apparent. Like, I guarantee if they had used the, the ghost baby effect during the daytime... It would not have looked good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I would you have control of that? I honestly don't area? mind the effects all that much because I feel like the ideas and the tone are there, mm-hmm. and so even though the the effects leave something to be desired, it's still playing it straight, you know, and like it works to an extent for me because it's earnest. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. and the ideas are still so compelling. That yeah. You can look the other way and sure. still be like, oh, yes, conceptually, that that still works just as well. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. I do. I, I fully agree with that. I think, like, it's a matter of, like, recognizing it for what it is and then taking on your mentality and mm-hmm. moving past it. I think and I think, fully agree. again, I'll circle back to this, you know, once we start getting into the end of the film. But I think there's a degree of artifice in that. I think there's there's a degree of, of, of intent there. Um, but... Narrative-wise, building up to that, so, you know, they agree to let this dude sleep in their office for a week, and like, hey, just carry this camera around with you every day, we'll pay you every time you get one of these so-called miracles on camera. And, you know, at this point, like, you know, he's, he's, he's friendly, he's polite, but, you know, some, some cracks are starting to show a little bit. 
Um, you know, he's he's definitely like starts making himself like more of an imposition, like asking to like sleep at the office, and he keeps asking like the producer for his cigarettes and stuff, and like asks him if he can keep the pack and so on and so forth. And then he gets like a temp job for like a month's worth of work. And to celebrate, they go out to Korean barbecue, the first of several Korean barbecue meals in this film. And we come up on the most horrifying scene in the movie. Misogyny. Misogyny. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, he just, he gets drunk and he gets, like, really out of pocket and starts, like, telling off the, like, one female member of the crew who's, like, the interviewer, the, you know, the woman who's, like, on camera and starts, like, telling her off for not being, like, more engaged in the conversation. And then, like, also as She was, like, while they're, they're having conversation, she's, like, fiddling with her hands doing, like, brain teasers. Yeah. And uh, he, he calls her out on it for being antisocial. And yeah, he, and then he's talking she gets, about, like, like, super uncomfortable and leaves. And, like, it's, like before she's even out the door, he's, like, calling her a bitch and other yeah, stuff well, like goes, that. Yeah, well, it goes like, on and on. Because like, he's, he's, What an you know, incel. He calls her out for, like, that, for not being engaged in the conversation, but then he's like, oh, yeah, and also, like, the way you interview people, like, you don't seem like you're emotionally invested in, like, the interview, and she's basically trying to be like, well, yeah, because I'm a, pro- I'm a professional, like, I'm being professional, and, like, the other two are just, like, not telling him off the way they should be. Yeah, they're, they're um, just like, Com- calm down, dude, let's, like, talk yeah. about something else. They're trying to, like, misdirect and... You know, because I think they're all just trying to be polite, and they don't really know how to how to handle it. Yeah, and so she leaves, and as you said, like as she's leaving, he's like, "Man, what a she's a what a bitch," you know, <laughs> shaking my head. And um, it's, and it's, it's it's like earnestly uncomfortable. That's yeah, it is. Well, and it's like it's like the first. So I think we've all probably been there too. You know, at some point, like, out at a bar, and, like, just this, this person we kind of half know gets, like, really sloppy and is an asshole, and it's just like... Not me. No, I will call him out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell his ass off. But even that sucks. Like... Yeah. Man, the, the number of times, like, at my job that I had to kick out dudes who were being assholes to their girlfriends. I mean, that was your job. Like, drunk dudes being assholes to their girlfriends, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Much more common than, than a bar fight. But yeah, so after she leaves, you know, he starts talking about how he thinks that the guy who, like, stabbed him and, like, carved the rune into his back and stuff was, like, a messenger from God who is, like, passing off the baton, like... That was his ritual that he completed, and now he's given the task to to Eno. And they're like, "Oh, well, like, what is your task?" He's like, "Oh, I don't know yet." But the the voice, you know, he he talks about how he's been hearing a voice. He's like, "It talks to me, but I don't understand it, you know." But I'll I'll I'm sure I'll figure it out at some point. We hadn't mentioned that they discovered that the guy who did the the killing. Um, they find, like, some pictures of him as, like, a child, and he has, like, a large birthmark on his torso that's, like, not exactly the same symbol that he carved into Eno's back, but very similar. It shares attributes. They both Mm -hmm. have the big eye. Yeah. Well, and it's so blurry in the pictures that you're not sure how similar they actually are. Can't see that shit like at all. Yeah. It's like they keep being like, it's the same and like showing the picture. And then the symbol is like, (laughs) 
I can't. Is are you sure? Like I can't see what that is. Uh, there's nothing there. It, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah, so that's that's when it's like okay, there's there's more to this weirdo than we have come to expect by this point. Um, and that's sort of when Shiraishi gets like, it's like he's hooked, you know, where yeah. he, he starts to go deeper while everybody else is kind of being like, this dude is a fucking weirdo. I don't want to be around him. Yeah. Well, one interesting yeah. element about kind of the, the beginning with the, the bridge stuff is everyone they interview have, has their own reason for being at the bridge. Mm -hmm. Like, uh. You know, one dude was with his girlfriend there, uh, another was with friends, but Eno said he had heard a voice. Yes, that's that right. That told him to be there. That told him to go there. Well, I like that the other two, like, the two girls who died, like, they, they interview one of their their moms and the other's boyfriend. Like, even they talk about friends. how they had felt like they needed to go to that place like on that day like one of them had a dream about it and like told her mom that like it was so beautiful in my dream i just knew that something good would happen if i went if i go there so i'm going to go and like the other girl had like I forget what what her she, hook was. She uh, brought it up to the boyfriend, right? But and... like, what had made her think about it? Did she see it on like TV or on like a postcard or something? It was also a dream, wasn't it? Was it? It might also have been a yeah, dream. Yeah, I can't remember the reasoning, but I know she got so excited that they rented a car yeah. that night. Mm -hmm. You know, and yeah. So there's there's away. a sense of urgency that like called all of these people to be in this place for this event. And one of those people, uh, the first one we see on camera, is alluded to be a pop idol. Oh, was she? Yes. I totally missed and that. And I thought that was neat because all three of those movies have an inclusion with pop idols. That's and true. I yeah. think it's, it's kind of a fun repetition. And real and real films. actor or like real people playing themselves yeah. in the movie. But yeah, so they're they've all... It seems like they've all been called there for a reason um, for this particular event. At one point, we sort of alluded to this earlier, they find online, like, some manga artist who had, like, who does, like, auto writing, and um, she had, like, in one of her sort of fugue states or whatever, had drawn some symbols that look very similar to, you know, the, the symbols on these two guys. And so they go and talk to her, and she's telling them about it, and she, like, goes into a trance and draws something. Uh, it doesn't look like anything. To be it's, for... it's supposed to be, like, the rock formation yes. by yes. the bridge. Well, they she draws that... Well, no, the, the, the rock formation is somewhere totally different. It wasn't at the bridge at all. But Shira remembers it because on the day of the attack, he had been climbing that mountain and had seen the rock that was shaped like that, and he recognizes it from the draw. And in the bottom left, there's like a lot of radiating lines, mm -hmm. which is cool because Naroy has that whole bit with the radiating lines as well, like emanating from the one building. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's kind of a fun, you know, kind of play on those same themes, uh, 
the yeah, like there's just like this this unseen light emanating from these these cursed locations that we can't see. Yeah. Uh, so that was dope, and also like strange invisible worms and leeches. Um, yeah. It all it all kind of comes together in a cool way. But well, yeah. So they they decide let's go hike back up to that rock. You know, there must be something significant there. And there is, but before we talk about it, I do want to mention that uh, all, uh, another thing that that drawing kind of looked like was loss. I thought that was funny. Oh, what? I didn't get that at all. <laughs> yeah, it's, well, it's the four boxes with the, the thing. That would be so funny if it actually was that, and they just, like, very seriously, like, overlay loss, loss on top <laughs> of it. Um, what year did, was that comic drawn? Yeah, it? I don't know. It's what? timeless. Yeah, I'm just curious if it was if loss was a thing when this movie was made, or if it came after. I I feel like it probably was, right? It was, but it wasn't made a thing for like five sure. or ten years later. Um, but that that comic's been running for like fifteen years. Yeah. Now, so. Yes, I don't know my meme well enough. Because yeah, um, it's uh, it's not Penny Arcade, is it? It's uh, no Control Alt Control Delete. Delete, which I also read a lot of. Yeah. Yeah. Think that webcomic has aged well at all? Probably not. Um, no, I mean when I was a, when I was a child, it's yeah, very it cringy, bad. like edge lord gamer shit. Um, but anyway, so yeah, they go they go to the rock, and yeah. they go to the rock, and uh, Shira relates how last time he was there, he like felt something weird on his leg and like rolled up the cuff, and there were nine leeches on his leg all lined up right next to each other in a row and they find in sort of like a little cave in where all the this lines rock are where all the lines the are radiating from they uh they find like a petroglyph with some carvings on it that Which I look think looks pretty fucking spooky I yeah. liked it. I like that, Patrick. The two eyes and then the the. the radio well, yeah, it's bits. got it's got like each of the symbols um, on it a with center. a line draw, but it looks like a face because you know they they have like the eye shape, and then his leg starts to bleed in the exact same place where the leeches were, and then they do one of the most baffling but delightful things in this movie where they go to talk to real-life J-horror director uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa. Um, world. Who, yeah, who, you know, he basically is, like, the father of, like, J-horror. Yeah. Um, Directed did, Pulse. Yep, which we talked about on our second episode yeah. all those years ago. Did Pulse and Cure and um, a few Sweet other Home. things. Sweet X. Home. Um, and the other one. Yeah, not 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 that one. Um, And for some reason, and again, he's playing himself in this. And for some reason, he is like an expert on like these weird, like uh, supernatural legends uh, in Japan. And he basically gives them a whole like exposition dump about like what these symbols mean and what that mountain means and that like it basically all traces back to the worship of this deity uh called like leech child the leech child yeah. um the suck baby <laughs> uh uh-huh. uh-huh. and that the two symbols the first one that was on the 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 original killer basically indicates a like oracle of god killing people 
in a ceremony. And the other one that has been carved on Eno's back indicates an oracle of God bringing in some kind of, like, catastrophe or cataclysm. Mass destruction. Mass destruction. So they can kind of infer that, like, okay, one ritual has been completed, and there's another one that's yet to be completed. And, like, the name of the mountain translates to something like Mountain of the Leech or some shit like that. Totoro Um, Mountain. Yeah, Totoro Mountain, (laughs) exactly. Um, What if Totoro was a giant leech? How about that? That would really change the context of that movie a lot. What if he was just... just... full of blood. Yeah, that's That's why why he's so big. big. Yeah. I hate this. Yeah. We don't even need to talk about the cat bus. Oh, God. Already kind of horrifying for being real. (laughs) I love the cat bus. Same. He's my favorite. I had a full-size cat bus at Comic-Con this year. It was dope. Oh, really? Yeah. You, Could you go inside it? If you paid a fee. How much? I have photos of it on my phone. How much was the fee? Uh, I don't know. The line was pretty long. Damn. Was it, like, furry? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Full-size. Did it run around? No. Did it go, wow? It did not. There might have been speakers. I don't know. Damn, missed opportunity. Cool. It was pretty cool, though. It was pretty neat. Um, where the fuck? Cat bus. Cat bus. Where, uh, where were Totoro we? Totoro Mountain. Totoro Mountain. They finished up. They, they yeah. And they go back into town. Okay, yes. So, yeah, while they're off doing all this, we then see Eno, one of his videos um, from after work one day, uh, where, like, he got into a fight with, like, one of the other workers who's like, you're shit at your job, don't come back tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. Believable. Yeah, and he's, yeah, right, right. And he's, like, following him, and he's, like, talking to the camera, and he's like, I just, like, see very clearly in my head that he's going to get hit by a car soon. But I'm not going to tell that fucking asshole about it. And sure enough... A symbol appears over his head. Well, not a symbol, a little wiggly worm. Yeah. Um, Yeah, he sees him, he's about to cross the street, and there's, like, this little dark sort of, like, worm thing, like, above his head, and as he's running across the street, sure enough, he does get hit by a car. He gets bopped. He gets bopped. It doesn't look that bad. They kind of cut away real quick. Um, Didn't look like he got hit that hard. Yeah, it doesn't look like the car is going very fast. (laughs) No. What's kind of neat about that is, like... You know, in, in most movies, they do that horrible effect where, like, a guy gets hit by a car and they digitally make him fly across the yeah. screen. And, like, here, they don't that. do that. Like, it looks like they act like they practically try and do it. Um, and I yeah, it's say, like, like, it, looks like, it looks like they maybe probably actually hit him with a, car, a real car going, like, 15 miles an hour. Yeah, you know? and, like, what's, what's kind of cool about that is, like, realistically, if a person got hit like that unexpected by a car, even going relatively slowly, like, that could still hurt you. That could sure. still fuck you up pretty bad. So there's a sense of realism with that yeah. that I'm, I'm kind of willing to concede some. Um, it's not is impactful and it's yeah. intense but like it, there's, it's there's also not yeah it. it's not it's also not really important no. um because like yeah so he you know he runs off because he is like i he's telling the camera he's like i did not do that i just had a premonition about it i didn't do it it wasn't me it wasn't me uh and then uh he's like walking around some more and he's seeing like more of these like worm things in the sky and over and people's heads 
And then he sees, like, yeah, like, a bit way up in the sky hovering over the building, like a big just sort well, it's, of It's not, mass. like, super high up in the sky. It's almost, like, peering over the side of a building. It's, like, you know, right at that height. Like, it's, it's sort of using the cover to look down at it. Yeah. And then it flies across the sky, like, really fast. Yeah. I kind of wish it didn't fly as fast because it, um... Looks a little silly. Looks a little silly. It doesn't really track with Just the in the movement, I do not think these effects look too bad. The, the, I must the say. worm bit when it first comes up over the side of the building is, is kind of chilling and cool. Yeah, I think I think like the big worm balls and stuff do not look terrible. No, nope. and, um, and frankly too, once you get the context, uh, like you get to like see it properly for a second, it kind of retroactively makes the lighter ones kind of fucking scary to think yeah. that there's this like giant like horrifying mass that's just acting as a sentinel, like yeah. flying around at like super like inconceivable speeds watching over and scouting for these like horrifying concepts like yeah. i don't know it, it's yeah. it is kind of spooky you know yeah i i think so i i really i really like that stuff uh actually yeah they they you know he goes back to the office and shows all of them this footage and you know is basically like look at all this cool stuff i got on camera pay me bitch you know, so they, they do, they pay him pretty well, and he's like, uh, you know, as a celebration, let's go back, let's go out for Korean barbecue again. Um, and, you know, like, the producer and, like, the interviewer, like, they make their excuses, they're like, I don't want to, like, last time we did this, it got super uncomfortable and weird, like, I don't want to fucking do this. But Shira's like, yeah, I'll go out with you, because he's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out, like, he, he's... He knows more than he's telling. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out what 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 it is, and this is followed up with what I think is one of the the tensest and most chilling scenes in the movie. Um, Eno gets fucking shit faced again at the at the Korean barbecue place, and reveals to Shira that like he has known all along what his mission is and what he's going to do. We didn't mention, but a couple scenes before, they, like, look through his bag, like, while he's out, and they see, like, his, like, bank statements or something and see that he actually, like, has a pretty good amount of money saved up. Yeah, like, so enough I'm, to get an apartment. Equi- yeah, equivalent of, like, you know... 8700 8, $8, yeah. How it was, it was, like, 700,000 yen or something like that. Which um, is cool organic subversion yeah this whole time he's been acting as a vagrant we you know but oh he actually has money he's he's, a, he's actually he's, got quite a bit of money savings for something really important and he's willing to like live you know like destitute and like sleep in these weird gamer cafes and and he weighs ramen in the store like cheap cup food just to see like what's the heaviest one that will fill his stomach the most for the lowest price yeah like he clearly is like very conscious of money and borrowing money but for what end but turns out he's actually got quite a good bit of money set aside and that's why Shira's like okay i'm gonna go with him to get korean barbecue and get him drunk and try to get like the truth out of him and he does and the truth is that he's been able to understand that voice in his head all along and he is going to do a suicide bombing at shibuya station and in so doing, the explosion will transport him and everyone caught in it to heaven, basically. 
to the other world to where God lives. And, you know, God wants him to do this. And I love it because he keeps asking him, like, yo, dude, don't you think that's selfish? You're going to, like, kill all those people? And he's like, nah, dude, I'm not going to kill them. We're all going to ascend. Yeah, we're all all ascending. Maybe it's not cool that you're making them ascend, you know, without their consent or whatever. And he's like, no, don't worry about it, man. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like before all of this, all like we've learned that these symbols are associated with like a god called the Leech Child, and like we're seeing these like big scary like spectral worms flying around in the sky. It's like the god that wants you to do this is like probably not good and shira even asks him he's like he's like what if the other world is not what you expect it to be like what if it's actually like not heaven and you know uh you know just like totally like brushes that off he's mm-hmm. you know he has he has the faith of a zealot which is cool because um, it relates back to the beginning of the narrative where all these people had premonitions and dreams about how something wonderful and miraculous will happen at the bridge. And what happened is they got stabbed they to got death. Stabbed yeah. A bunch. Um, and so here we're seeing that repeat again where he, he feels like this is an oh this is a good omen. You know, he always describes these events as miracles. Yes. Um, it's a good thing. Yeah, I mean the idea of like a siren song of something evil and cosmic is such a great cosmic horror trope yeah. almost. Well and also there's a lot of realism here. in that too. Yeah. You know, like a, a lot of I mean, like, the the guy who fucking killed John Lennon, you know, like, thought he was doing something good, right? There's, uh, you well, know... Well, yeah, like he got in... brainwashed by Catcher in the Rye. Yep. <laughs> Damn, I've read that book. Oh, shit. Yeah. He read that book, and he was like, I gotta kill the phonies, and who's the biggest phony of all? John Lennon. And he was right. Whoa. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! But yeah, I love the zealotry. I love yeah, um, and uh, it's you know we, we've mentioned it before with, with films like this, but there is like the a, a language barrier that can make it difficult sometimes to to know how well the role is being acted. But I, I felt like yeah. a lot of that came through. Like there's enough. Like he doesn't he doesn't like freak out or anything like he's fairly understated in his delivery and it, it makes it feel quite earnest yeah he i really think he believe that he wants to that he's he's doing the right thing i think Eno's performance is really great in in this because like he spends so much of the movie sort of portraying this kind like he's he seems he seems like a very sort of like simple character yeah. you know like yeah. not probably not super smart you know not well not very well educated and you know kind of dull and like trusting and he sort of like maintains that all throughout the film like even when you know that he's like hiding something sinister like his conviction in it is always just like it's the most natural thing in the world you know yeah like it's totally the right thing and you know, the way that Shira got him to reveal that stuff in the first place is he's like, he's like, I think you know what your mission is and I'm going to, I want to cooperate with you. I want to help you. And he's like, oh, okay. You want to help me? Dope. I'm going to build a suicide vest and I'm going to go blow up a bunch of people for God and it's going to be great. And then after that, Shira's like, you know, when I said I was going to cooperate with you, psych, I lied, asshole. That the part right after that is like so fucking spooky. 
Eno is just like shit face drunk. He's like, I can't believe that you would like betray me like this. It's like, well, I thought we were friends, blah, 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 all this stuff. And like, as he's just like getting more and more into like a stupor and he's like almost like falling asleep. He's like, it's like, you can, you can tell whoever you want, but like, if you try to stop me, like God's going to make something bad happen to you. God's going to get you and anybody that you tell, like if you, if you try to, if you try to stop me and then as they're like on their way home, you know, Shira's like basically carrying him because he's so drunk and, you know, like stumbles over to like a fence to vomit. And as he does, Shira like looks up in the sky and there's just like a big jellyfish in the sky and he looks back down and Eno is standing there and his whole head is just like a mass of like worms and uh, that understandably freaks him out enough that he's like okay I'll help you I'm gonna do it yeah I, I, um, I almost found it scarier when he looks back and he sees the, the original stabber yeah, he does. Yeah. That's right. Before he sees the yeah. uh, the the worm head, yeah, like they're sort of like layered on top of each other. Yeah. What I love about the scene too is it almost feels like uh, Shira director yeah. is mm-hmm. almost in sort of terminal velocity at this point. You know, he's been marked by the leeches, yeah. So there's really no turning back for him, and he almost realizes it. Yeah. You know? Which is why he becomes complicit. That's really interesting because, you know, that's the first time he sees the the same visions that Eno's seeing. Yeah. And kind of, we're seeing much more detailed uh, examples of those that aren't coming from, you know, Eno's subjective camera. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like he's seen this stuff on video, but now he's seeing it in person. Yeah, and it obviously makes it much more real. And he's like, "Yeah, you know what? Okay, I I will I will help you complete your ceremony." Once again, like Naroy, it's that same idea of like completing a dark ceremony. Yeah, that, that there's that possibility that by completing it, it will end the problem instead of make it worse. And inevitably, it makes it things makes worse. It makes it worse, yeah. And that's cool. Like it's, but it's done so differently than Neroy, right? With the clapping and the bowing. Yeah. Um, like it's, 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 a, it's a much more direct it's and, and literal event. And it's cool. I, and I love the juxtaposition of the two. I, I definitely prefer like Neroy with like the clapping and bowing. But, yeah. Um, th- yeah, like taking the same themes and concepts and applying it to like just like sheer terrorism is... Yeah, and and sort of, like, declaring, like, what's going to happen, you know, (laughs) two-thirds of the way through the movie, and then slowly realizing as the movie continues, like, oh, yeah, like they're they're gonna do this like it's gonna happen like the rest of the movie is is you know similarly kind of understated but it's just like them just sort of like hanging out building a bomb together and sort of like how mundane that is is like really eerie yeah well and think about it from a historical context like japan has really not experienced much terrorism historically in the past like 50 to 100 years but one of the big uh times of notable terrorism was uh there was a like a religious zealot cult yeah the uh, sarin gas attacks on the subway sarin gas attacks 
And this kind of has sort of, you know, hints of that. Yeah, it's over, know, a, it's over a subway station. Yeah. yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Um, and, it's, and, and it's religiously motivated. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, which I think kind of hits home even more mm-hmm. in context. Uh, but yeah, I find that... And also it was in like 2009 too, you know, so we're still like very much, at le- you know, at least in terms of Western culture, still very much in the throes of the war on terror. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And, 2009, and yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, Japan is obviously somewhat separated from that, but pulling as much as they do from Western culture, it's like the idea of, like, suicide bombers was still something that everybody was afraid of, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but I agree, like, the, the mundane aspect of, them going through the process of building a bomb and planning everything. It's it's spooky. And yeah. you know, well, there's there's th- almost a wry sort of humor to them, you know, getting ready for it. Yeah, the gallows humor. Which yeah. is unsettling. That's, that's yeah. like inevitable of like two people going to their doom or whatever, right? Well I mean the, there's a scene where they almost get caught because they're building like the the vest just like in the production office and it's in the middle of the floor and you know uh the 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 lady interviewer comes through at one point and they have to well, like yeah the interviewer lady yeah, she the, doesn't interview ladies you're right the interviewer layers lady excuse me yeah. um yeah she she comes she comes through <laughs> and they have to like hide everything really quick um, you know, before they let her in and then, you know, she, she's like looking around for some stuff and it's like tense or whatever. And then she leaves and then they're like laughing. They're like, look, like the trigger for the bomb is just like hanging over the side of this box, just like in clear view. Like, look, there's like powder on the floor. They're like, you know, we really didn't do a good job of hiding this. Like she could have on that. <laughs> yeah. Right. And it's like, <laughs> Like, I can't believe she didn't catch us. And just sort of the way that they're just, like, joking about it. About, like, almost being caught building, like, a fucking, like, explosive vest. It's really cool because, like, they start out, I think... Equally, though we don't know it at the when we first start interviewing the the uh, the central character at the beginning of the film, we know with context that he was also terrified at one time, and he's come around on. Yeah, and he's been like real, and he sort of had to convince himself that he's doing the right thing because he really doesn't have a choice, and he's terrified. And it's the same with the director; like he is. You know, like, he, he says he won't do it, but when he sees the the guy, like, with the worm head and everything else, he, he comes around because he doesn't really have a choice. Yeah. Which is scary. And so, like, they're trying to make the most of it. They're trying to make light of this, and they've just sort of been forced to convince themselves that... They're doing the right thing because yeah. there there is no alternative. Well, and you can tell that Shira Ishii, too, is still, like, trying to find a way out of it. He's trying because, to talk out of it. Yeah, well, it's like he's not super insistent, but every now and then he'll just be like, are we doing the right thing? And Eno's like, yeah, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they no have the, yeah, the taxi conversation. And oh, my God. He has the taxi driver. Uh, will there be a lot of people at Shibuya Station today? And he's like, oh, yeah, there will be. And he's like, 
Sure would be a shame if there was a terrorist attack yeah. there. Huh? Yeah, he's like, he's like, man, it would be really bad if there was a terrorist attack there. The cab driver's like, yeah, I guess it probably would be. <laughs> there, that like last day is uh, again just like so tense in just how mundane it is Mm -hmm. because they're like continually like counting down throughout the day like 12 hours until the ceremony like six hours until the ceremony and they're just doing like shit like going to grab food yeah they're just going to get breakfast four hour nap yeah they take yeah they take like a four hour nap just like four more hours till the ceremony (laughs) they they go out to eat indian food and while they're eating indian food this is the wildest part of the movie crazy this is the most insane part (laughs) crazy by far but yeah he knows he knows like uh they're talking about like how good like indian food is and Eno's like yeah, Indian food is great. You know what else is great? Indiana Jones. I love Indiana Jones. And Shira's like, yeah, I don't think that has anything to do with India. He's like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, I think it's the state of Indiana in America. He's like, oh, okay. He's like, you know there's a new Indiana Jones movie out right now? And Eno's like, what? <laughs> Let- word? <laughs> a word? Let's go see it right now. So they go and they see Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. They blur out the poster because they certainly couldn't get the rights for it. They, um, they bleep it out throughout the movie, also. Yeah, they, they yeah they bleep out they bleep out Indiana Jones, um, but the subtitles still say it. So yeah. so we know. Um, but yeah, they go and they fucking see Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and then they're like eating again after. <laughs> you cut to them after watching the movie, and they're like. Wow, damn, those themes sure were relevant, huh? He's like... Like, they, they can't say it, but they're just like, dude, that movie had aliens and stuff in it. This is crazy. <laughs> well, yeah, like, you know, it was it's like, a sign. He's like, it was, it was incredible. It was so good. The, today, it all just feels like it's all connected. It's all leading to each other. You suggested that we go get Indian food, and if you hadn't have done that, I never would have gone and seen Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> like, at this point, I'm he's like, he's like, I w- I'm losing my mind. And he's like, I wish, I wish I could see it again. And she sees like maybe a way out he's like oh you can why don't you just postpone the ceremony just one day and you can and we can go see it again tomorrow and he's like i would but after having seen the movie i know it has to be today it's like all right dog (laughs) all right man and so we finally get up to the 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 ceremony where you know he puts <laughs> he puts the vest on he puts like a a jacket on over it very conspicuous still like you can see that he's very well, obviously wearing and something he, under he's it he's decided he wants to wear a camera yeah. facing towards himself to see if he can catch any of the afterlife so he's wearing this very conspicuous you know, outfit, trying to conceal the bomb. Very obviously something bulky underneath the jacket with just, like, a camera. Just, like, a full... You know, this is 2009, so it's not, like, a GoPro or something. It's, like, a full-ass, like, like HDV camera that he's got hanging around his neck. Um, But I, I love how, like, right before he does it, he's, like... He's like, oh, I never gave you uh, that hundred yen I borrowed from you earlier in the movie, um, which, you know, is like a dollar, basically, um, if that. And 
I like how they have a flashback to him asking. To him asking for, for in case we'd forgotten. It's like a such a wry bit of humor. Yeah. Just because it's such a mundane element. And he's like, and, and Shira's like, how about this? Why don't you send me back the camera and the hundred yen from the other side? That it'll be more fun that way. He's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's cool. And so he, like, sets off into, like, the middle of the square, and Shira starts, like, backing up and and running. And as he is, he's confronted by the interviewer lady who has basically been on to them and is like, you two are doing something suspicious. I've been following you around. Like, there's something something going on. He's trying to, like, tell her to get into cover um, as she's like, I'm going to call the police. And then... The explosion happens, and I, I love how, like, the, the camera kind of cuts out, and then he's, like, crawling around in just, like, the debris, and it's all, like, hazy from the dust, and there's just, like, body parts all over the place, and he, like, finds her head. I thought that effect actually looked pretty good. I thought it did, because too. Because it was so blown out. Yeah, you could tell that, like, they'd shot it, like, just in an t- entirely different location. But there yeah. was something really ethereal about it. I, I, I thought it worked, too. Yeah, yeah I really liked it. And, and they keep it nice and brief. I had one question. Yeah. Uh, we brushed over it. But on, you know, the final day, as they're going towards the station, at one point, they have the bomb in a bag. And they're walking through, like, a side road or an alley. And this dude starts chasing... Oh, uh, yeah! You know, with, like, a can attached to, like, a pe- long piece of cloth or something. Yeah. And he keeps, like, hitting him and tries and to he steal says, like, the bomb. There's, there's evil in that bag. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like there's, like, there's hell. Hell is in that... Oh, yeah. There's yeah, hell in that hell. bag, is yeah. what he says. And I love that, because, like, it's clearly, like, this, this like, random hobo must have been, like, taken in by some sort of, like, spectral good and was just trying to do the right thing and fix it, but it wasn't enough. Did not try very hard, I must say. Well, I mean, you know, he was brought, it, it was, like, some, like, kind of random hobo. He didn't, like, yeah, he, he didn't do... Working he, with the faculties he had. He didn't do I a like great that. job. I like that there is, like, <laughs> some sort of opposing force in the world that knows that something is wrong. And it, it's the stumbling guy in the street who would, who would just say that to anybody. Yeah. You know, and be like, like, just to steal a handbag or whatever. And that it's just, just because we have that context that we know he's right. This insane, crazy hobo is actually right. That's cool. I, yeah. I, it's neat. I, I really like that scene. It's a nice little detail. Um, also, to touch on it, because I did say footnote, um, I do think it's really funny that, uh, well, not funny, but um, that the, uh, the interviewer, she rounds the corner there at the end. She says, hey, I've been following you guys. She lets him know right before the bomb mm-hmm. goes off. That, you know, I've been following because it, it it's and it, it brings some more context back to when they were like hiding the bomb stuff. And they're like, oh, look how conspicuous it was. It's like, yeah, she she knew. Yeah, she, like, <laughs> which is funny. I like imagining her going to Indiana Jones and sitting a couple rows behind. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in like a trend dress like a uh, female prisoner scorpion, <laughs> like the big hat and the black trench coat. Yeah. But yeah, so like it, you know, they they do That's sort funny. of like. Some closing titles that, like, oh, uh, you know, his remain, you know, Eno's remains were never found. Yeah. I went, I was convicted for um, complicity. 
which he certainly was, filmed all of it, too. Yeah, he sure was. Um, and then uh, it jumps forward 21 years. We get a little epilogue of, of, of Shiraishi getting out of prison and going to have Korean barbecue with, I think, is the the producer. Yeah. Um, and they're sort and this is like as the credits are rolling, and I was like, what the fuck is going on here? Because they're just talking about how like this place is going out of business because the beef imported from the United States was infected with mad cow Which is disease. Cool because earlier in the movie, on their final day. They choose to not eat at one of these places because he's afraid of getting mad cow disease. Of mad cow disease, yeah. Yeah, which is cute. So he was like, it was like a premonition that he had because he was an oracle. No. But um, they're just kind of like chatting and eating like as the credits are rolling. And then after the credits roll, um, a you know something falls from the ceiling and we see that it is the camera. Which I like because it falls kind of abruptly and there is like the strap on it. So like it, it makes a weird shape when it yeah. falls and it is a silhouette. And my thought, like as the camera's like coming up and around to look at what it is, it's like, Oh, is it going to be more of like the weird worm stuff? Yeah. I thought it was like going to be a pile of arms. Like, yeah, like the, it, it's, it's so abstract that when, cause it falls so quickly that you don't have a chance to register it. So when you finally do see it, oh, it's the camera. It, it's pretty cool. It's it's a neat, yeah. it's a neat revelation. Well, it, it's the camera and a hundred yen, yen coin, and you know the they don't make them like they that don't make anymore. them. Yeah, that that's an old coin. They don't you, these aren't in circulation anymore. Um, and you know, so they they pop open the the camera and take out the tape, and we get to see what happened to Eno. Uh, you know, it's, it's, we see the whole last scene where he's like, Hey, I forgot to give you a hundred yen, like all from this, uh, sort of like right under his chin perspective uh, of the camera. And what she sees. Yeah. What, <laughs> <Jeez. laughs> what sorry. What she, what she see when she playing with your worm. No. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, you know, America's they, most chauvinistic podcast, more like, hey, good lord. No. 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 That's good. I'm glad. I don't want to be America's most chauvinistic podcast. I'd much prefer to not be that. Yeah, we're not that. Nope. Nope. Not us. I don't think we're even in the top ten. I would, yeah, I, would I mean, say among we're not even podcasts? <laughs> yeah. yeah, probably. I, I, think, I think we're doing okay. Probably among, like, yeah, podcasts hosted by three dudes. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, I think we're doing all right of, of podcasts in generally. Yeah, I think I think we're we're, we're okay. Anywho, uh, yeah. Anywho, well, we got to talk about we have to talk. We got to talk about the very end of this film because I, I you know, I didn't know exactly what I was going to get, but I've always heard one of the things I've always heard about this film is people be like, "Oh man, I really loved it until." Until oh. the last shot, until I, the I hadn't very heard end. anything about this movie. But like that makes I, sense. that's that's what I've always heard. People be like, "Man, I thought it was really great." Wait, did Mitchell say that in the pod Discord? Uh, I don't. Maybe. I maybe. Don't yeah, I can't remember. He has, maybe he said something that like so. was wasn't a spoiler. Right? Well, yeah, I think. Okay, yeah. So when when the bomb explodes and we see Eno get sucked into like the other world or whatever what's the best way to describe how these effects look cheap cheap it's not corny yeah it's just like some 
some pretty some pretty basic like overlays. Um, it reminded me of two things: Haosu, yeah, and uh, uh, what was the one that uh, it was one of my picks? Uh, the the the, the Jigoku, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, but Jigoku, frank, frankly, cheaper than either of those two films. Like yeah. those two films pull it off. I don't think this does. Yeah, yeah, it's. <sighs> It's like it's like a weird '70s corny. Like it's just they're they're superimposed. Their heads are separated from their bodies, and they start and they're spinning, spinning around. around which is and not there's like scary. It's very and silly. there's like ju- like negative like jellyfish, jellyfish overlays in the background, and like some worms, and th- and they're just like screaming like it's hell, it's hell, and it's like conceptually i find it you know like it is horrifying it's like of course like he's learning like if they'd warp the tape in real time being distorted yeah it's way better it's just it's just a little too much like there's a part of me that finds it like kind of charming it's the wrong place for it but it's but in how otherwise like you know serious and understated the rest of the movie is like it is kind of jarring I won't say that I dislike it, but it is certainly a, it, it is certainly a decision and one that I think could have been probably handled better. Which is wild because I think of the three films, this is the most understated one. Um, but even next to like how Cult tries everything, it throws everything at the wall, but it never doesn't stick like that. The end of yeah. this movie does. I didn't mind it honestly. I. I I like how weird you it is. You esoteric uh, fucker. I mean, it, I I kind of do kinda, too. It kind of gives me a vibe of like zero budget David Lynch. Like it feels like something I, Lynch would yeah, do. With, I see that. Like just Lynch would obviously have much more of a budget and execute it much more thoughtfully. Yeah. This feels like it's kind of scattershot surrealism well the problem is too is that like with lynch lynch doesn't do like found footage right like it's not under the pretense that like what you're seeing is like real or whatever yeah but you get close with like inland empire yeah inland empire is not a found footage movie it's just a movie shot with like uh an hdv camcorder like i you know i i agree with you though and and like I kind of like it too. I but it is it feels dated. Even though, It feels like, really dated, yeah. Even and though I, like the rest of the movie does. I mean, it feels I like think it's 70s dated. Like the, the the style of effects like with like the cheap overlays and everything, like it's it's stuff that you got in the 70s. I think like, it's, it's just it's it's, a, it's it's dated not even for like 2009. It's too long and it is in this middle ground of doing too much and also not doing enough. I think if they I think if it had been way more abstract, mm-hmm. then it could have been really horrifying. It's like it's like the It's like the spinning works. it's like the spinning heads are really what like kill it for me. Yes. I think everything else I could I could get down with, but the spinning heads is just like that little bit too much, I think. You know what I think it was missing? The rest of this movie had an incredible score. It was like power noisy, sort of 
Odeker type of like weird industrial sort of. It sounded like comfortable. Yeah, it's almost hard to listen stuff. to at times. Like it's it's um, which is pretty like in this case I, I thought it was used pretty effectively. And for some reason, it felt it sounded like somebody was like fucking an old like dial up like <laughs> yeah <modem. laughs> yeah it's weird and unsettling yeah. and kind of uh, abrasive. Um, which I think worked pretty well for yes. the most part. Um, but the one place that's not used is that last sequence. Yeah. You know, I think if it had that weird industrial backing to it, Something... it would have felt a lot more unsettling. Well, when it starts also, like, it's in negative and it's in black and white and his face is inverted and his teeth are black and it works. And it's as soon as we, we pull the camera back and it becomes sort of unnegative and it's all colorful... Yeah. Like, that's that's when it fucking breaks to me. And it's like, if they'd kept, like, just heavy grain and done the rest... Like, like if they'd shot it, like, the that the baby sequence in Roy or, like, other... Like, that's, I think the most frustrating thing about it to me is that I know this director can can make it look scary, like, yeah. with their, their budget. I don't know. But, yeah, yeah. no, it was... It, it, it's, I thought it was rough. It's a decision. Um, it, it doesn't, by any <clears throat> means, like, really hurt the film for me, but it is... It's, it, it's a jarring it's a jarring way to end the film there's no doubt about that um and i i can see why uh it's it's contentious and i think that uh it not working for you is more than justified sure. um i think it is more than justified i'm i'm in like a middle ground um but are we ready to rate yes, yes. a cult I don't want to go first. Somebody else go sure, first. Sure, I'll start. Uh, I really like this movie quite a bit. Um, and the more we discuss it and the more I sit on it, the more I enjoy it. Um, sure, it's a bit more of a slow burn than Noroi, and it's a bit messier, and the effects aren't quite as good. Um, but it has an amazing score. I really like how mysterious it is. And I like a lot of the conceptual stuff in here um yeah i'm gonna give it a four out of five it's it's a really solid movie yeah you know i think that that actually seems right um i'm gonna mirror the four out of five when right when we were coming out of it especially with that last little taste that it put in my mouth i was kind of like leaning towards maybe a three and a half but i've enjoyed unpacking this um and and i think it is it is a movie that um rewards you kind of taking some time to unpack it so after talking about it i'm going to give it a four out of five as well solid um i I was gonna give it a lower score but i think after speaking about it i agree uh i'm still not going to give it as high of a score um for the reasons we just discussed and and the rest um I would certainly encourage seeing Cult. I think we kind of have to for the podcast at some point. Yeah, I, w- um, I would like to, for sure. Oh, well, yeah. why don't you pick it, Cleve? Well, I just might. Um, uh, but probably not next. But uh, anywho, I'm going to give it a three, a strong, a very strong three and a half. Okay, yeah. I think that's, that is perfectly fair. That'll that'll give a Cult an average of 3.8 out of 5. Um yeah, this was this was a fun one. If you're if you like J horror and you like Koji Shiraishi, and definitely you like worth good writing. You like good writing. I would recommend definitely it. definitely worth checking out. Yeah, good luck thing. finding it to watch anywhere, though. <laughs> 
you have to you will have to resort to which is funny because illegal I think means just on YouTube. Yeah, well, I know Neroy was for years as yeah. well, but then Neroy got picked up. Neroy's on Shutter. Yeah, oh, Shutter. Good. Yeah, Fuck Shutter. Yeah. Shutter was its its Get big Shutter. It's its big right. uh, U.S. distribution. Wait, give me a second. I want to see if if a cult is on yeah. YouTube. Oh yeah, it's it's there in full. Is it? Yeah. Okay, I stand watch corrected. It on it's on YouTube. Go I watch it. Um, I don't know how the subtitle situation yeah, is there, but uh probably passable. Uh I I would guess. So, yeah, go check it on YouTube. I stand corrected. Yeah, honestly, bad subtitles might make it even more mysterious. You just no. need to get the gist. Um <laughs> Well, next week it's Believe it or not, that time of year, once again, we will be celebrating our podiversary, our sixth, yeah. six years of the podcast, oh, yeah. beginning our seventh year of the podcast. We're going to be, as usual, doing a uh, original versus remake, and as usual, uh, I think traditionally we don't reveal what it is until we drop the first episode, so... Uh, but it's a good pick. It's a it's, it, a, it's, good, a, it's a good really one this year. We say excited. we say that every year, and we always and it is. I, it yeah, always we is. always go with class. It always yeah, is. But, but, we uh, won't lead you astray. Yeah. No, listener. I'm I'm looking forward to that. So yeah, uh, that'll be a two parter, a two part episode. The first one will be next week. Will be the original. Uh, so uh, come celebrate our our sixth anniversary with us. In fairness, I actually haven't seen either, but I've been meaning to for a long time. I've only, I'm going into this one having only seen one of the two, so actually, um, which I think might be uh, the first time that's happened where none of us have seen one of these. It's um, been a while, yeah. Oh yeah, let's do it. Maybe since the maybe since Ben and I did the thing from another world um, before Cleveland was on the show, that might that might have been the last time that happened. Anywho, uh, let's do a sponsor. Oh real shit! Quick. Yeah, let's do it quick. There we go. All right, the shelf glows. It insists on a sacrifice. A ceremony. A ceremony. But uh, hopefully less violent. Maybe. It's hell. It's hell. Ah, it's hell. No, it's not. It's Joe Biden. Not that one. <laughs> this episode was brought to you by Joe Biden. Not that one. Last week it was John Christ. No relation. Now it's Joe Biden. Not that one. Getting some strange sponsors this time. That's right. Uh, the this, shelf of doppelganger. The biggest difference? It's- this Joe Biden? He thought Corn Pop was an all right guy. All right. Corn Pop? Pretty cool dude. Maybe I'd vote for this Joe Biden. <laughs> a little political. There we go. Biden, right. just Joe Biden. <laughs> not the, the other, other one. The other not one. Not that one. Yeah. Would that would that be admissible? Uh, that's not the right word. Anyway, inadmissible. Um, yeah. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. All five. Or wherever you're listening. Uh, you can also become a supporter on Patreon, patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to our honorary pod boys, Sam, Zach, Micah, and Mitchell. And we uh, give special thanks to Mitchell for uh, choosing a cult for us to talk about. I'm certainly glad you did. Me too. Um, yeah. I've been wanting to do this for a while, but similar to Cleveland, I've, I've been wanting to use my picks on other things. So <laughs> thanks for giving us the excuse, Mitchell. Um, this was a good one to cross off the list. Absolutely. Um, you can follow us at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. My recommendation for this week, keeping it on theme. Um, another thing you can watch on YouTube Koji Shiraishi did a 
uh, web series in like 2012-ish, I think, called uh, Sinritsu Kaiki File Kawasugi. <laughs> Great, memorable title. Um, but they're all on YouTube. Um, found footage horror. They're kind of they're a little bit campier, sort of like a, a ghost hunting show. But there's like a through line. Check that out. Some some more uh, bad uh, digital effects. Um, by the end of the series, it just goes like fully anime in like more ways than one. Um, do with that what you will. They're all between forty minutes and an hour. Um, the closed captioning is adequate to understand what's happening. Uh, I will say that I watched all of those when I had when I had COVID last year. I watched all of them while I was sick, and that was a that was a feverish experience. So check those out. Um, well, my recommendation is also relevant to occult. Um, I want to recommend another movie that covers sort of the uh, disturbing and wry humor that comes from. Uh, religious terrorism, and that's a movie called Four Lions. Oh yeah, by, great uh, movie. Christopher Morris. Yeah, uh, I see the themes. I see the themes. Uh, it's all about uh, four lions, uh, uh, Islamist jihadists planning uh, a terror attack in Britain, and they're kind of uh, oafish, bumbling idiots. I guess you could say. Yeah, it's um, it's a great it's, movie. It's great, super funny, disturbing. Yeah, it's one of the darkest comedies out there, and it's it's definitely worth a watch. Yeah, I would recommend it too. Yeah, I'll I'll third that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this week I am also uh, I think this is the third week in a row I'm recommending I doesn't exist. Go check it out. It's weird. It's 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 a strange modern take on text adventures um, with a, a cool existential slice of dread in there. Do it have worm? It has mushroom. Close enough. Yeah. I'll t- I'll accept that. Good. Good. All right, uh, thanks for listening. Uh, worm time. Worm time! <laughs>